Our reading this morning is from Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of a little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But thrive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I love that this is the title for the last sermon of the series, Don't Worry About Nothing, because I think it really fits where we're at. We had an election and our country went insane. Everybody is worried about everything. God's still in charge. The people that were celebrating when Obama got in are now the people screaming they were, they're running to Canada. The people that said they were running to Canada when Obama got in are now the people celebrating. The country survives. The country prosper. We're all here. Who watched the news on the, this morning about Aleppo? Yeah. That's a country that does not have peaceful transition of power. That's a country that's tearing itself apart because if one party wins, the other party seriously can't deal with it. Our country is a country that grumbles and complains and whines and moans and still works together. We had a, a unity event here um, on Friday. There were some questions that were raised of what this event was, how did we get to be part of it, and what was going to happen. And I got to tell you, when it was first brought up to me, I was not thrilled to be a part of it. I was like, really? Another one? I don't want to be part of this. It's just like too much. And Jane and I talked about it, and I'm like, fine, we'll do it. And I got here, and what I thought was going to be a religious event turned out to be something completely different and so much better than I expected. 
what it was is there's a group in Rockford that is an interfaith group run by a woman named Kathy, Kathy Shahada. Shahada. And she has a group of women from every faith, um, every denomination of Christianity, uh, Muslims, Jews, Unitarians, because I'm never sure where they fit in that. Um, they're all represented in this group. And she worked with the mosque because the mosque wanted to do something that showed unity. I thought we were talking about religious unity. They were talking about unity on every level. So we got here and they blocked off the um, part of our um, parking lots. And everybody joined in a giant circle. And they came out and they gave us purple streamers that we held. And they had purple balloons. Because what they were talking about is we are one country. So we're not blue states and we're not yet red states. We're not blue ideology and red ideology, but we're all ideologies and we merge together to make a great country. So we're actually purple. So whether you lean one way or you lean another way, it doesn't matter because we're all one and we're purple. And that's what we celebrated. It was, it was a patriotic rally of celebrating that it doesn't matter if you say you're conservative or progressive or whatever, we're American. And we were celebrating that, that we can be different faiths and we can be different political parties and we can be different genders and we can be different whatever, but we're all purple. And I walked away from that going, wow, that was much better than I expected. That was fantastic. And so that's what we need to do is don't worry about it because God's in charge and he's going to be moving us around, doing things that we walk around going, wow, that was so much better than we thought. Yes, there are people in our country that are still doing these weird protests against everything. And I am sorry, but I denounce any protest that walks down a street screaming down with hate and showing a man burnt in effigy. It makes no sense to me. That's just wrong. I will denounce any protest that hurts somebody. I will denounce any protest that stands in front of a home with a 10-year-old son in it burning their father in effigy. That is not a protest I will get behind, whether they call themselves Democrats or progressives or whatever. That is hatred, and that is evil. It doesn't matter which way I voted. I will denounce them to the final degree. Our country needs to unite. Our country needs to be purple. We need each other in all ways. And so when I saw this title, man, I love when God works. Don't worry about a thing. We just need to work, and you dress perfectly, Jackie. We need to get behind Jackie's purple and just enjoy being together. Now, after this worship service today, if we would like to um, come in here and talk about what it is to be a church this close to a mosque during uncertain times, I have no problem about it. Come in and we'll have a good discussion about it. But what we need to talk about is how much we don't need to worry and that means more than just our political differences, but our life differences, too. One of the things I loved when Jolene was trying to get the kids to learn about or talk about what it is not to have food and not have clothing in their houses, and they, they couldn't understand that. 
What do, you, what do you mean you don't have food? What do you mean you don't have clothing? You go to the store. It, it's so hard not to understand that in our country when food is so prevalent, especially in this area. Yet you go to the other side of Rockford, and we have what's called food deserts, where there aren't big grocery stores. There's little mom-and-pop stores. But when you go in there, the price of milk and the price of bread is staggering because they have to buy it at an inflated price because they don't buy in large amounts. And because they're the only place available for these neighborhoods, it's supply and demand. They can charge more than the average amount, and they can do it. Now, at, to show you how difficult things are, at the trunk or treat, we had what Jane called a 12-year-old traveling from Jerusalem moment. You know that wonderful story where Jesus goes to Jerusalem with his family, the extended family, the whole crowd is there, and they go. And then as they're going back, Mary and Joseph think that Jesus is with his cousins and his aunts and uncle, and they don't realize that Jesus stayed back in the synagogue for two days. And then they suddenly realize Jesus isn't with them, and they have to go back, and like Mary and Joseph lose their mind. And I would have so lost my mind. Well, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Oh, that would not have cut it for me. But we had that happen. We had a young boy come with a slew of children. And afterwards, they all got back into the van, except for one. And he was here going around and around and around. Yeah. And then everybody was closing up, and he was still here. And we're like, and where's your family? And he went, I don't know. <laughs> so then we called the phone number that we have, and they said, wait, no, he's here playing with the kids. And we went, no, he's not. He's right here. And they went and checked, and guess what? We were right. They didn't have transportation to come and get them. They all came in the one van, so then it was, we've got to go and call our friends, see if we can get a ride to come back. That's the problem we see on the other side. So when we don't worry about, you know, being able to get for food and we don't have to get, you know, clothing and stuff, there are people on the other side of town that do worry. Now, there are some people in our congregation that say, hey, why do you want to do something like trunk retreat? What's the purpose of that? You know, we're not really feeding the hungry. We're giving them crappy candy. There's no other way to say that. You know, it's not, there's no nutritious value in that or anything. So what are we doing? We're allowing their parents not to worry about a thing. They come to our church and their kids are safe. Nobody's going to shoot them for walking down a street. Nobody's going to harm their child in a neighborhood that's not safe. They walk into a church and they can sit down and color at a table and not worry about a thing. They know all the candy that they bring home is completely safe. They know that if there's darkness in the parking lot, their child will not be grabbed by a gang. They know that everyone they meet here is a safe person for their child to be by, even if he's dressed like Eric. They know that it's safe. We take all of that for granted. We take all the food that we have for granted, and that allows us to take a large portion of our money and buy 600 pieces of candy 
to give away. We can do that. We complain about it, but we can do that. Now, I've told you the story of when Eric and I took a youth work camp to Jamaica, and we were in the mountains of Jamaica, and the food the women made us, which I still dream about occasionally, it's so good. They cooked on the open fires, and they started in the morning, and then we would eat in the afternoon, and they would serve us first. And then what we didn't eat, they would scrape off our plates and then feed the children. And what the children didn't eat, then the adults would eat. That was truly giving of what they had. I've told you that story. But what I didn't tell you, and what Jane just told me last week, is one of her churches had a feeding program, and they raised money for not only community and national, but international, and they gave $3,000 a year to a country in West Africa. And for $3,000 a year, they saved hundreds of lives a year. It made two meals a week. And in that meal, they would put peanuts and grains and all kinds of things that were a really healthy stew. And the kids would bring a bowl. And they would go into the town center on Tuesdays and Thursdays and get one scoop of this stew. And that cut down the death rate of that kid, those children by hundreds each year. So for $3,000, that's it, $3,000. Eric and I bought a couch this year for $2,000. For $3,000, they saved hundreds of children's lives every year by giving them a scoop of stew with grains and peanuts in it. That is what Christ is talking about. Don't worry, God will provide. Maybe God couldn't provide in that town because where they are, it is so arid. Things don't grow. But there is a church in the northwest suburbs of Chicago that raises enough money that sending a check of $3,000 doesn't harm their budget in any way, shape, or form. And they send it to this one town, and it saves hundreds of children's lives every year. That's how God says, don't worry. Because God is not the God of Rockford. God is not the God of the U.S. God is the God of the world, and he tells us, I'm going to take care of you because I got people. I got people that can take care of that. It's my favorite saying from Chicago. I got a guy. I got a guy. And that's what God says. I got a guy. Let me talk to my guy. My guy will get in touch with you. We'll work this out. Don't worry. I got a guy. So God told the people in that village, I got a guy. God told the people in Jamaica, I got a guy. We went over there. We fixed everything. God said, don't worry about eating. I got a guy. That's what God is talking about. Not that where you are exactly, he can take care of you, but he says, I got a guy. When it comes to clothing, who here has daughters that we've gone through homecoming and prom season? God bless you, Alexis, it's coming. <laughs> or Alexis is coming, sorry. Jamie, my beloved daughter, dear God. Every year at prom and um, homecoming season, we would do the, the, the dress death march from store to store to store in the mall. 
and we would be with the group of other mothers who here knows what I'm talking about, where you'd see the same people in every dress. And at one point, Erica, who hates shopping, so I bring her with for comic relief, at one point, she literally slid down the wall of the dressing room and just said, hope dies here, and just went, because we had to be on the 30th dress, you know. But we had time. We had money to do that. And then you give those dresses away after you wear them once. Think of what you could do with that money if we donated it. Think of how much of a difference we can make when we make sure we give of what we can to those who need. We gave all of Jamie's dresses away to the um, Goodwill, and we gave them away to Salvation Army when they were done, and that allowed others to wear them and enjoy. That allowed other women to get dressed up and go to weddings or homecoming or whatever and enjoy. That was God saying, I got a guy. You can get this dress that Deanna was so upset over and wear it for a fraction of the cost and get all the joy out of it that you need to get. How many women do that with their wedding gowns now? You go and you get that beautiful wedding gown and then you donate it and you allow somebody that could never afford what you did and you give them that joy. It doesn't sound like you're doing a ministry, does it? You don't think that Christ called you to do that, but you just did. You just did. Christ said, don't worry about how you're going to look. God will provide. But did you ever think that maybe when you donated that wedding gown and you provided somebody that joy and somebody that beautiful gown, that you were actually doing God's work? You were donating something to make a woman feel so special and so beautiful that day. And God said, hey, I provided. Isn't this a beautiful gift? Providing doesn't have to be only beans and rice that we give to the starving. Providing sometimes can be a gift that we give of our abundance. We have that amazing abundance. Share it. Share it with others. Joyfully give and say, I have been so blessed out of my abundance. I want to bless others. Give and feel good about that. Every time you share, it does not have to be a negative emotion. Many times it can be joyful. I loved this dress. I loved these shoes. I loved this outfit. I am now giving it to somebody else so they too can love this. Praise be to God that I was blessed with enough that I could buy this and now I am giving it to somebody so they too can enjoy it. Christ called me to share and now I can bring joy to somebody else. That is blessing. That is sharing. That is giving what God told you to do of sharing your things. Remember when the, um, the, rich, the rich young man comes to Christ and he says, give all your things away. He didn't say bury them in a hole. He said, give them away. 
Bless others with what you have. Share your abundance. Be joyful about it that others can receive what you've had. That's a wonderful gift. That's what tithing and what stewardship is about. It's not saying, oh, we should give everything away and only wear sackcloth and ashes on our head. It's about being joyful for the things that we have. Saying, thank you, God, I have been so blessed by you. The first blessing, I have been born in the United States where I live in a country not torn apart by war. I live in a country where I can be a Christian and nobody tells me I can't. I can live in a country where I can be a Democrat. One of my best friends in the entire world can be a Republican. We can argue until our spouses leave the room. Eric never stays in the room when Mark and I go at it. And we're still the best friends ever. There's no war. There's no war over that. We are so blessed. And then we are blessed even more by having jobs and having finances, of being able to support our church, being able to support our families, and being able to support those in need. And that's what stewardship is about. It's about celebrating what we have and what we can do with what we have. So we ask you during this time to actually write down, make a pledge, because a pledge is a promise that I pledge to the church out of the abundance that God has given to me, out of the treasure that God has bestowed on me, that I will give this much to the church. Now, if your treasure takes a hit, and life gets a little harder, of course you can change that. We don't want you to be harmed. This is a promise. We are promising you our love and our support. You are promising us your love and support. You're promising God that you are going to give some of what he has given you back to help the world so that God can turn around and say, hey, I got a guy. And we're going to use them this way. So during the offering, we're going to send the plates around like we always do. And then we're going to ask, or I'm going to ask, if you can come forward with your offering card and lay it on the altar. If you don't want to do the steps, then put it in the basket. And give your promise to God of thank you, God. You've given me these treasures. This is what I'm promising you back. If you're not prepared to do it this week, then next week we're available as well. But prayerfully think about what you want to promise God out of your abundance, out of the treasure that God has given you. Amen.